three, two, one. The holiday season has passed, and the spring semester is finally on at OUAZ. This means all 26 sports in just a four-month span, and you can get all of the best stories from every program right here on the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. Every new episode will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on the official athletics website at OUAZSpirit.com slash podcasts. Make sure to like... Fans, my name is Seth Asselson. Thank you for joining me for yet another edition of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. My guest today, OUAZ baseball senior Jordan Holland. Jordan, how, you doing? how, how are you? Doing? Good. Uh, it's uh, a rainy day. We're recording on uh, January 22nd or the Friday. Yeah. Um, and it's a gorgeous view up here. I mean, you said it yourself when you came up here. It is. You can kind of see everything here, the light shining through, uh, as we've always talked about here. I mean, one of the best views maybe in the state you can win I'm, the I'm not uh, arguing with that right now <laughs> yeah when uh can't. when the clouds clear up you can usually see downtown phoenix from here and really yeah wow and then you can usually easily see even when it's raining um you know the westgate area with the uh, state farm stadium and all that so wow um but the stadium we can't see behind us though you can see from your coach's office mm-hmm. is surprise stadium yes. where you guys play a good majority of your home games your season starts next week next week what are you most excited about? Uh, I'm just excited to get back on the field with my teammates, for sure. Uh, I'm excited to play baseball, excited for the experience that we get to have because COVID's going on. Uh, this was a year that could have not happened, so it's just a blessing that we get to go out there and uh, try to make not only ourselves proud, but our families proud, just for a bigger reason than ourselves. And last year you were a part of the team whose season got – cut short um, a lot of guys came back this year I mean we take a look at the roster a good majority mm-hmm. even though they were seniors technically get yep. their year back wanted to come back uh, when you guys heard the news that it was going to get canceled I mean and it seemed like the writing was a little bit on the wall right the NBA mm-hmm. the NHL cutting their seasons mm-hmm. short uh, spring training ending it was it just seemed like a matter of time but when you guys officially got the news what was your reaction and, and what was the feeling of yourself and your teammates? Um, as a team, we were all down. It was a experience that everybody was just going through at the same time. So it was really just out of the blue. Um, we didn't really know what to expect, if we were going to be able to come back next year. We didn't know what the NAIA was going to do with our season. So it was um pretty, pretty hard experience. But uh, I'm glad that we had our coaching staff to keep us straight and narrow. They kept us up through everything. Uh, the communication was great. Uh, my family uh, definitely kept me up. And as a team, we stayed in communication. So it was never like we were lacking. It was never like this is it. We always figured that we'll come back together soon one more time and hopefully do something great this year. Yeah, and it was a little bit of a shame your team maybe didn't get up to the start they wanted to, no. but was starting to pick it up a little bit as Absolutely. conference season rolled around. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the right time to get going, right, is <laughs> yeah, well, when the games count. <laughs> when they count. When they really count. <laughs> when they count. Um, but for you, during that time, what did you do to stay active and, and kind of baseball ready, right? As you said, you didn't really know right away mm-hmm. what it was going to be. Are you going to get that year of eligibility mm-hmm. back? Obviously, you find out relatively quickly that you will, but what did you do over the summer and, and that extra time where your season would still be going on mm-hmm. to stay baseball ready? Uh, I'm a big, big advocate of just uh, working while waiting. So just hidden. Uh, I have a lot of friends who 
God bless it, made it to the MLB or even other sports like basketball. So when I go back home to Atlanta, I train a lot with those friends, and uh, they kept me on a nice little uh, rotation in hitting, working out, nutrition, everything that I needed to do in the off season. even though I may not have a season this year or may not have had one. So uh, it was good to have those guys who already have that mindset of this is what I do, this is my job, I'm going to come here, I'm going to get it done no matter what tomorrow holds. So that helped me uh, definitely just get better in the summer. That's some huge resources there when you go back home to Atlanta. Who are some of those players uh, uh, that you were able to work out with? Um, Kyle Lewis. For the Seattle Mariners, he just won the AL Rookie of the Year this year. Uh, me and him grew up playing together, and I give a lot of thanks to him just from his knowledge that he's gotten. I mean, like I said, we grew up on the same team, so just uh, me and him being together and being friends and uh, the fact that he's made it to where I aspire to be, it's just uh, it's great to see somebody that close with me. Um, uh, Curtis Terry for the Texas Rangers. Uh, also, childhood friend that I grew up with, uh, Malik Beasley. He plays in the NBA right now for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, that was more just like a workout type thing. Um, and uh, those are just some three of the names. But uh, Isaiah Gilliam in the New York Yankees organization. I mean, uh, DJ Neal in the Blue Jays organization. All these guys are from Atlanta, from Georgia. So it's just kind of like we've been – growing up on the same circus, whether it be basketball or baseball, just on the same circus. So now that it's coming full circle, we all working out together and getting better together, which is great, the great feeling to be a part of and see. Not every day can you say that you have the reigning AL Rookie of the Year's <laughs> phone number in your uh, phone, can you? Not every day. Not, Not every, every day. day for sure. But what was it like, I mean, to train with somebody at that high level, right? I mean, from the AL Rookie of the Year to, you know, players trying to make their way to the MLB. Does it help you kind of understand what it takes to be a professional, right? Yes. I mean, you're seeing somebody at the absolute highest level yes. and people working their way. What mm -hmm. did you kind of learn from everybody during your time back in Georgia? Um, well, one, you got to have your priorities right. Uh, a lot of things in life can uh, get in your way, can be as a obstacle in a lot of ways. But knowing what, you, what you're on this earth to do and having that passion to do that, and uh, also making sure that you keep your family and friends close, the ones that you care about, the ones you love, because those are going to be the ones when you find yourself in a hard time, uh, 0 for 4, multiple games in a row, or anything in the downfall aspect. Those are going to be the guys, the women who always are there for you, always got your back, always bring you back up, level you out even when you're too high. So definitely that. And um, <clears throat> I would say – more importantly, in baseball aspect, um, those guys taught me when you're practicing, treat that practice as a game mentality. Go into the, the practice, go into the cage like this is my first A-B, this is my second A-B. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to do my work. And then once I get out the cage, now I can relax, I can exhale because that's a game simulation. So now you're kind of training your mind that I need to come into this mindset right now. And then now that I'm off the field, now I'm not hitting. I can just chill, hang out with my brothers, hang out with my friends, and uh, we can chop it up about whatever. But then as soon as I get back into the cage or as soon as I get back under the rack, I'm working again. So those those things right there definitely kept me grounded throughout. I mean, and that's that's great to learn, right? I mean, I think you see a lot of athletes, no matter what level, kind of say those kind of things, mm -hmm. right? But to see it with guys playing professionally in, in a majority of different sports definitely mm -hmm. probably helps ring true and, and see that it does pay off. So, yep. And as you said, a lot of those guys you're working out with from Georgia, especially the ones playing baseball now, um, interesting because Atlanta maybe isn't 
too well known as yeah. a hotbed for baseball, right? I mean, a not lot of baseball. People, yeah, a lot of people look towards say Florida in yeah, that area sure. more. Texas, Texas, definitely California, California, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but um, as you said, a, a great handful of players uh, at all levels in Atlanta that you got to work out with. What was it like playing baseball? In Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, the Braves, you know, were really successful in the <coughs> '90s. weren't maybe as successful, say, in the 2000s, yeah. but we're going to the playoffs, things of that nature. Solid but players, solid years. Yeah. What was it like playing in Atlanta, Georgia? Uh, I played in the inner city uh, organization, so it's the RBI, which stands for Rebirth Baseball in the Inner City. So. It was amongst a lot of minority players who didn't really get fair opportunities or fair chances to play baseball because, as you know, baseball is an expensive sport. So it's hard to get those that equipment to play. So the thing about the RBI organization is they helped you with the equipment. The Atlanta Braves threw in for um, bats, gloves, cleats, anything the players needed so that we could have a organization, a league of our own, where we could play baseball at the highest level and still get seen by scouts and whatnot. So that's how it all started for me. And uh, it was a great experience, personally. Um, I met some of my lifelong friends, uh, some guys who are currently playing in the major leagues right now. And uh, the competition was way above average, way better than I'm sure what people would expect. And I think it was so interesting because Today, you know, uh, you see a lot of Latino players, a lot of white players. And, I mean, the league is starting to develop a little bit more of the African-American aspect in the game. But mostly that's that's all, like, I played against and with just growing up, just growing up. And then as soon as I got the travel ball, that's when I kind of branched out to different teams, uh, uh, more integration in the team. It was And it was a great experience. I mean – Baseball has taught me way more than just uh, running bases and hitting the ball. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, relationships, it brings all kinds of different people together. And uh, I value that. I definitely value that with my life. How important is that for, you know, the MLB, the Atlanta Braves, to branch out, as you said, um, to the inner city, right, where baseball, the expensive sport. Um, and I think we're really starting to see how – expenses are starting to separate you know the ability to play sports for for kids and and certain groups and as Mm -hmm. you said in in the african-american aspect just Mm -hmm. not a a ton of players at the moment in the mlb yeah um but how important is that program and and going forward getting those you know that demographic of economics involved in, in the sport of baseball i'd say i mean one of the most important things of growth in baseball right now, for sure. Uh, the MLB is going really big on the RBI programs in every city now. Um, I'm, I believe, I want to say that almost every city has an RBI program now. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I just I can't I can't even express how big that opportunity was that I got the chance to play and some of my friends got the chance to even learn the sport you know and uh yeah the Atlanta Braves do a great job with what they're doing and uh just giving back I'm glad that uh they're branching out and doing that now when you see I think professional athletes in in different sports say a DeAndre Hopkins who's been very open about mm-hmm. um you know his his childhood and and how tight money was for him and his mother and um Obviously, football, a sport that 
is very easy to play in terms of cost, right? All you need is a football. You can mm-hmm. drop plays in the dirt and yeah. play wherever. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's crazy to think that if football was expensive, maybe somebody like DeAndre Hopkins wouldn't have got to the NFL just because they didn't have, didn't, didn't have the, the opportunity. Right, didn't have the resources. So do you think these programs are going to really give kids who have that great athletic ability and who can make it to the highest levels more of a chance to get there just because they don't have to worry about the cost? I do. I do. I think I, I I know so because now when I go back home, uh, when I'm not training, I help a coach in the same program that I came through just to give back to the kids and whatnot. And I can tell that uh, our numbers have gone up. The uh, production has gone up just by the caliber of athlete that we're receiving because now not only is baseball affordable, it's more light because more people that look like me are playing and they came through this program and now it's getting the pedigree that it should get. So now more people who do have the talent and maybe want to play basketball or football because it's easy can get the chance to, okay, I want to I want to branch out. I want to play some baseball and see how it goes. I want to see if I, I'm good at it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the ch- the fact that the opportunity is there for a kid to go out and maybe be great at baseball, uh, that's uh, – <laughs> I don't even know how to explain that. I mean, that's that's just above, above expectation, I guess. Well, it seems you see so many stories about – you know, kids, and, and maybe not as much today, but definitely back in the 90s, you know, kids who were good enough to go play college, mm-hmm. but didn't have the money to, you know, maybe Add they the only word. got, a, yeah, yeah, they only got an 80% scholarship instead of 100, yeah. and, um, or, you know, they ran into some legal troubles back home, mm-hmm. right, and, and some unfair circumstances, but it seems like these programs definitely giving, that. Yep, mm-hmm. giving the opportunity and, and hopefully getting these kids into higher levels and uh, another great thing about that the fact that those programs these programs don't just have the baseball aspect of it you know it's not just you're coming here to teach baseball they're also there to grow to grow you as a young man you know uh make sure you know the ins and outs of just what you should do in certain situations just living life and that's why I love the fact that I get to go back and tell those kids my experiences and what I've been through and where I'm at because now it's just a whole cycle of we're learning. We all learning. Are you going through my experiences so you don't have to go through mine, you know? So though the, the RBI program is growing by the day and, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great, it's good. It's good. Do you think those kids and maybe even more importantly, the parents are, are listening to those messages, right? As you said, you get to kind of convey what you go through, some of those hardships and ho- helping those kids maybe avoid those. Do you think the messages really stick with both the kids and, and maybe even with some of the parents who happen to be listening? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, my dad still tells me about <laughs> we had a lawyer come talk to us one time as a team, and he was just talking to us if we have legal problems with a cop and, uh, you know, make sure that – they have to ask for warrants and things, things such as common knowledge in law that you don't really learn on the street. You know, you're not I'm not learning that at school. I'm not my teachers aren't telling me what to do if a cop pulls me over. So and it's crazy that I got that education on a baseball field, you know. So he still talks about that. And like, hey, you remember when that lawyer came to talk to you? I'm like, yeah, I, <laughs> I do. I definitely remember that. But it's uh, it's a great it's great that I get other experiences other than baseball on a baseball field from that program they're they're way bigger 
than just I'm trying to make you a good player. I'm trying to make you a good man. Is there in their eyes is what they're trying to do, and I really appreciate appreciate that. I mean, that's a a really good point you bring up, and I think when you see whether it be a city government or high schools or, you know, even at D1 level. I mean, you see baseball programs getting cut at mm-hmm. the D1 level just oh, because of money. Though. Every day nowadays. And, but do you think that the aspect, maybe not necessarily at the D1 college level, but especially at the high school level, mm-hmm. that sometimes athletics just aren't understood as more than sports, right? I think sometimes it's seen as, oh, it's just these kids go to class and then play sports and don't really learn anything outside of playing a sport. Yeah. Uh, I can kind of see that being the um, the time and place. So when certain like sports was coming up and uh, the person who was playing the sport maybe gave it that uh, that that derogatory meaning in a way. I don't is nowadays I think sports are seen better in a better light because it gives kids opportunity to one make friends but two, get an education at a higher level that maybe they couldn't get for free, so now they do. And it's becoming more of a well-rounded thing that it makes you realize that life is all about failures, you know. No matter what sports you play, you're going to fail. Sometimes, some way, you will fail. And in that failure, what do you do to respond? And that's what life is all about because in life, you know, we go through ups and downs. And how do we respond to those ups and downs? That makes us who we are the next day. So I think uh, sports are starting to get looked at in a way better light, thank God. And I hope they keep growing. Now, when you talk about the city of Atlanta and Atlanta baseball, uh, probably the king of Atlanta baseball, Hank Aaron, when we woke up this morning. R.I.P. Um, he had passed. Um, now, you didn't get a chance to see him play in the MLB. I didn't. But I didn't. I watched plenty of film on Hank, though. <laughs> Absolutely. And we, and we all know the famous moment of him breaking the home run record. 7-15. Um, but growing up in Atlanta, what did you know of Hank Aaron? And what did he mean to that city in terms of not only just kids playing baseball, but just uh, as a man of the city? Hank Aaron is a king, period. I mean, he is known as the king of baseball in Atlanta. You have plenty of murals, a statue of Hank Aaron, if you talk about baseball in Atlanta, the first name that's going to come up is Hank Aaron. And so he is truly – he's truly missed. Um, I know that right now my fa- my family uh, w- grew up watching him. They got – Hank Aaron got my family through many of nights that my parents told me. And so uh, they're mourning him and just the fact that his impact on life through baseball had that much impact on my parents, you know what I'm saying, just shows me – growing up how guys like LeBron James molding me right now or Kyle Lewis or just people I can look up to seeing doing great things that are helping me get out of situations that maybe I couldn't have got out of otherwise so nah I really um I really believe that personally Hank Aaron is the best home run hitter (laughs) in the MLB but that's that's definitely a biased opinion um but uh he will be missed in Atlanta that's for sure and I hope that uh, some way, somehow, Atlanta finds a way to give him one more, one more shout out. Uh, some, you know, maybe put his number um, on a wall or something in New Truest Park. I, I definitely, I definitely would like to see that. Yeah, and an absolute hero, really, in Atlanta. I mean, hero. It, and I think it's he was so much more than a baseball player too. Just a great man. He would help in the community. 
And um, as far as the RBI program, he gave uh, multiple, multiple just bats, gloves, uh, anything that he could help us with, hosted tournaments, would talk to the kids. And that's the biggest thing I remember about Hank is that he was way more than a baseball player. He really came out there to see the kids flourish and thrive and just have fun playing the game that he had fun doing and molded it for other African-Americans to break into it. I mean, how important is that, that he was so big in the community, right? Because I think sometimes you'll see big baseball players, and, and whether it's right or wrong, mm -hmm. don't contribute to the community as much, yeah. right? Maybe yeah. a little more hesitant to get out there. But like you said, Hank Aaron went out, set the home run record, and then when he retired was so involved mm -hmm. in baseball in Atlanta and, and giving opportunities to different African-American mm -hmm. players and, and really helping that grow. I mean, what does that speak to his character and, and just what kind of man he was? Just because, you know, sometimes when baseball players retire, they just kind of fade out and you yeah. don't really hear from retire. them. Retire, yeah, call he, it a day. Yeah, but he was so involved in the Atlanta community. I mean, what did that mean to everybody in Atlanta? i definitely say volumes, and I think that's why he still resonated as a king because it's way bigger than baseball for him. It was, I gave this baseball game to y'all, but now that, Y'all gave love to me. I'm going to give it back. And he really made that obvious in everything he did. So just I know it's hard for a lot of athletes to, you know, venture out sometimes. But uh, Hank Aaron made it made it. Uh, I don't even it's really hard to explain how how big of an impact he really was, to be honest. I mean, and. It's really big just because today, especially um, with Jeff Passon's tweet earlier today, I think, you know, where he had said kind of ignored the hate wasn't true. I mean, people recalling what he said, I mean, on camera about all the hate he was getting and how he Absolutely. never forgot it. But still, after all that hate yeah. he was given and such a long career, and I'm sure that took a huge mental toll on him, especially while he was playing, still had a lot to give back to the community mm -hmm. up until his passing today. So. Mm -hmm. As you said, I mean, it speaks volumes, but it's it's a volume that we can't even. We can't. Imagine. I, I it really can't even. Yeah, imagine something, something so great from somebody so great. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? I did one time. I did. I was 14 years old, and it happened to be a church. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, at my church, and after the service, my dad walked up to him to get a picture with him, and then uh, I was just there with him. I shook his hand, and that was an amazing experience. Yeah, he smiled. Said, "What's up?" <laughs> did uh. How long did you get to talk? And was it just that handshake? Did you get a chance to speak to him? About five bit? minutes. But uh, he just told me to stay stay consistent, stay focused, and uh, don't ever let anything stop me. Don't let anybody tell me no. And even though a lot of people who have done great things say that, when you look in the king in his eyes and he tells you, stay focused, keep grinding, don't let anybody deter you from what you want to do, and you can do it. It just it speaks differently because he's really he's connecting on a different level when he's looking at you, you know. So it, it definitely hit home, and I still think about that day. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, as they say, sometimes they say, "Don't meet your heroes," but <laughs> I'm sure he, I'm sure he was the one that you absolutely wanted yeah, to meet. I'm glad I did. Didn't disappoint. So, um, when you talk about your baseball journey, mm -hmm. um, I mean. For, especially for a building program like OUAZ, you don't usually see somebody from Georgia make their way all the way out here, right? Usually yeah. a lot of programs will build close to home and then branch out once they've gotten established, but you're all the way out here in, yeah. in Arizona. Uh, what was your journey to OUAZ like? 
My journey was definitely a journey. Uh, I didn't take the easiest route. Uh, a lot of things went up and down throughout my journey, but I definitely thank all the downs because that's why my ups feel so great. But um, I started in Atlanta, and as soon as I graduated, I went to Chipola College in Mariana, Florida, which is right in between Tallahassee and Panama City. And so uh, I played two years there and happened to win two national championships, thank God. And that was an amazing experience. I mean, uh, from just the travel, from winning a championship, uh, the competition, it was all uh, a whirlwind of just baseball. It was just like, wow, I'm really here. I'm really doing this at the highest level uh, of JUCO baseball. So it felt amazing. And then um, from that uh, point, I transferred to Texas Southern University and I had a great year. It, it was an amazing time. I mean, uh, Houston, Texas is an amazing place. Uh, Texas Southern definitely has some very rich HBCU uh, history there. And I loved that. I, I loved every aspect of it. The people were great. And um, it just wasn't didn't fit totally with me and the coach. So. At the end of the day, I felt like I wanted to go somewhere where uh, I was I was not only, you know, wanted because of my baseball talent, but also because of me, me, the person, Jordan. So um, I just got in contact with Coach Monty through the chaplain that he had worked with before at Arkansas. And next thing you know, me and him were talking, hitting it off. I came down for a visit and it was perfect. I felt like I was at home. I mean, the size of school does not matter to me. It's just the uh, character of my coach, honestly. That is all that mattered. And Coach Tim uh, Montez is the perfect character coach that I could ever ask for. And um, as soon as I looked at this campus, looked at the field that we play on, uh, met my teammates, it was it all fell in place for me. It really did. Yeah, it's pretty hard to pass up a, a spring training facility, especially in a stadium like that. Very. <laughs> uh, I mean, not even D1 programs have 13,000-seat no. mm. facilities like mm. that. So, I mean, you know, unfortunately with COVID, probably not going to be able to fit 13,000 yeah. in. But it's definitely. Still, yeah, this is just amazing to play it on a field that is that pristine. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, even in the backfields where you play, mm -hmm. they, they have to keep them that pristine for, oh, yeah. for spring training. Oh, yeah. So, that, um, that's why we not <laughs> if it rains we not touching it period that's right that's right don't want to ruin it for the games but um i mean as you said the size of the school doesn't matter i mean i think you see even in this conference oh, yeah. you know guys from westmont guys from great menlo talent. great talent you know going to play in the mlb playing in the minor league system great talent um but when you got here you said you came for a visit what were your first impressions i mean obviously i'm sure the facilities in the stadium was nice it's hot hotter than georgia <laughs> Ooh. It is because this is dry heat right here. So as soon as I stepped off the plane, I think I had a hoodie on and I was feeling it. I was definitely feeling it from the jump. And I was like, okay, because I love hot weather. I mean, I baseball, so I'd definitely rather be uh, in hot than cold. But uh, that was definitely my first impression stepping off. But when I first got on campus, uh, how, how nice the people were. Everybody was very nice, uh, very polite, um, just wanted to help me. Uh, get to wherever I needed to be and that really attracted me to this place because it made me feel at home uh, off the bat it didn't feel like I was there's any animosity any uh hate at all it was just welcome this is a new organization we're happy you're a part of it and we hope you thrive here and I definitely love that feeling 
Yeah, it seems like you have a really great time playing the game of baseball. I love it. When you're here as well. Um, I mean, for you, as you said, you won two uh, junior college national championships. Yes, sir. Um, what are some of those lessons that you learned? I mean, when you win, you probably learn a lot. Yeah. Um, but what did you learn about winning? I mean, as they always say, it's it's harder to repeat than win the first time, mm-hmm. and, and you repeated. Mm-hmm. So what were some of those things that you learned about winning and, and winning two straight all the way to the finish? Um, well, I'd probably say starting off, winning takes a lot of discipline. Um, you got to handle the things you need to handle, and sometimes – do things that have never been done. And in that in that aspect, I'm saying the teams that we we're supposed to beat that year, we had to beat them. And we made sure that it was a focus that we're not coming out here to, you know, just, just play baseball. We're not coming out here to play with these guys. We're coming out here to beat them. I don't care where they came from. They got to go home. So <laughs> that was going to be that. And uh, the doing things that people didn't expect was beating teams that, were more talented than us some teams that oh they got this pitching staff i don't maybe we'll take one or two but we're not taking the series but doing but taking series is like that and making sure that we all come together to do those things those things were the little things i say that made us really good you know and then the big things was just uh make sure our team chemistry was right uh we always would do a little saturday like cookout thing where we just got together and just talk and it wasn't even have to be about baseball but it's just us being together as a team and talking and watching sports and just doing things as a team aspect just gives you that little extra edge over a team who not as close you know because once things get hard and you got to turn to your brother and be like hey we got to do this like we down by three in the ninth one at a time and those little things definitely will get you over the hump. And I think that's what got us over the hump that second time because uh, we, we didn't have the most talented team in the nation, but we definitely had the thought process and the leaders to say, hey, um, we're not the best, but we are going to come out here and compete every game. And everybody going to know that we gave them a dogfight. So I think that, that those are the most important uh, lessons I learned from winning those championships. Yeah, well, everybody knew that uh – you got the names engraved on the bottom of the trophy at the end of the year, which yeah. is all that matters. I know when you talk to Coach Tim Montes Monty, um, he definitely leans on you a lot to be a leader mm-hmm. in that locker room. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that, as you said, the different things on the field and off the field that you learned at junior college, what are some of those things that you've brought to OUAZ and, and tried to establish on this program? Uh, pulling side, pulling guys aside and just talking to them like that. I definitely learned at JUCO that, uh, calling somebody out in front of a team isn't the best way to do things. You know, uh, some, some people can take that and, but most people would rather a man to man conversation where it's just me and you, and I'm telling you what it is. And at that point you have to make a decision to, if you're going to get better, and listen to your teammate and somebody who cares about you and this is what I believe you can do to get better or if you're going to shut down on us and not do what you need to do to get better and you're just going to stay the same. And so I think um, me bringing that here and just for the young guys, because we had a lot of young guys when I first came in, just pulling them to the side and just telling them, hey, I I like what you're doing here, but maybe you could do this a little different. And um, just uh, making sure everybody stays, keeps their energy level high, 
those things go under the radar a lot of the time because when you're playing baseball and you're out there for a long time, you be tired, you be bored sometimes, but keeping that energy, keeping that effort, those are the things that if you bring to the ballpark every day, then it'll set you apart from a team who just thinks they're good, who's talented, because now you're working harder and you're getting better. So as they just stay as talented as they think they are, I'm slowly getting past you and slowly as a team, we're getting better than you. And then that's when upsets happen and things like that. But we expected that the whole time because we've been working. So, Yeah, I know the work has been pretty long uh, again it'll be almost a full calendar year since your last game you know obviously you'll I be can't wait. getting going next week um, but one of the things I think a lot of people think of when they think of Atlanta and the south in particular is how good the food is <laughs> um, have you been able to find uh, good food out here or Ooh. at least food that is relatively close to uh, what you have back home I can't I cannot say I found anything or anybody who cooks better than my mama I'm gonna say that right now I think my mom gives the best any dish you got but um uh, I have had I had uh I think the place is called mm, ATL Wings, which has no, I think, relation to Atlanta at all. But their their wings are all right. And I'm still trying to venture out a little bit and see uh, what nice restaurants. If you have any suggestions, please let me know because I've only been here for a year. So <laughs> uh, There's a place, I believe it's Flavors of Louisiana. It's Flavor. either Flavors or Taste of Louisiana. Either way, Okay. Um, over if you just take uh, the 303 down to the 10. Okay. Um, I believe it's off of maybe Litchfield. You have to look it up on Google okay, Maps. Okay, not but flavors of Louisiana. Yeah, oh, definitely, it's good. definitely. And uh, oregano's. I've had oregano's. Now it's pretty good. good. That was pretty good. Those are heavy portions. Yeah, though. yeah. I need that. Yeah. <laughs> need that is. That. I don't know if uh, Coach Montez or uh, Cody downstairs or oh, Rob yeah. would really appreciate those big portions, <laughs> but uh, you just don't tell them you ate oregano's the night before. I'm not. <laughs> so good, so good. But uh, you know. Seems like you've really enjoyed your time here. This will be yeah. your your final year. Yes, sir. What are your goals? Whether no matter what happens here, you know, hopefully, 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 we get through the season. <coughs> it looks like there's a good possibility of that. Mm. Um, but what are your goals after your time here at OUAZ? Um, well, God willing, I definitely still have aspirations to play in the major leagues, and uh, I'm, I will, and still am working my very hardest to get to my ultimate goal in life of that that's what I've always dreamed of as a kid and I'm not going to stop that until it stops so that's my ultimate goal but after uh after that I definitely want to give back to kids uh I know me growing up when uh somebody closer to my age would come back and just do camps or give back, do lessons, anything such as helping us, it would do so much for me because I know he's not that far from my age. And I know that he was just where I was a second ago. So I want to give back to children in any way I can, any aspect I can, any way I can help the the younger generation know the game, know about a little bit about life, just help them become better men and better young women. That's That's my long-term goal no matter where I'm at in my career so whether that's on the radio which I also hope to do (laughs) like you one day or if that's on the field but yeah for sure well we definitely love to have you on um as a guest analyst or I I appreciate that you do you do a great job (laughs) well I appreciate that uh 
but no, that's that's huge, and um, we're definitely looking forward to what you have next. I definitely. mean, obviously, we want to see how well you do this year, and, mm-hmm. and hopefully, it culminates in a national champion or national that's, tournament that's appearance. The, that's the ultimate goal for the team, for sure. Um, but uh, really appreciate your time today. Thank you Thank so you much so for much. coming. Thank you. For um, is there any any final thoughts, any final words you want to leave, whether it be with your family, your teammates, your friends, um, the fans, whoever it may be? Just any final thoughts. Well, uh, I wanted to just say I love my family. Uh, make sure y'all stay safe. Uh, I love my friends. Also, stay safe. And as far as baseball goes to my teammates, we're going to go out here this year. And I'm really expecting us to do big things for not just our team, but the OUAZ community. And I really think that this could be something special. So I truly feel like as long as we keep working hard and we stay together, anything's possible. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to what's next. And, uh, again, thank you so much for your time, Jordan. And we're looking forward to the upcoming season, and hopefully we're talking soon. Thank you so much. Appreciate you.